Well, OU football recruiting is very fun right now. It's been that way for the past uh, two and a half weeks or so. You've seen the most momentum you've seen so far in this 2024 class over the past 20 days or so. And I don't think I'm getting out ahead of my skis when I say, Parker Thune, I think this could be the most exciting single week of the 2024 class so far. Is that getting ahead of myself here? Starting Tuesday with Zion Raggins, Friday with Taylor Tatum, and who knows what else could happen in between that. I I think we uh, could be heading towards. This could be the most fun week we've had so far I mean, in 2024. When there's a five-star running back on tap, Tyler, I would say it is always permissible to tout this week as the Just most saying, exciting yeah. of the – but like you throw on Zion Raggins on top of that – like Taylor Tatum alone, that's that's big enough to probably warrant consideration as the biggest recruiting week of the year. But to have a four-star wide receiver and a guy that's From regarded across the nation as a consensus top 250 player in the country, a guy that has a lot of Hollywood Brown in his Ooh. game on tap as well with his commitment decision coming down tomorrow at 1 in the afternoon. Uh, I like it. I like it a lot. And and, and I I mean, I didn't really hint at necessarily one particular person, but I I guess with all this momentum that you have right now, who knows what else could happen? Um, Would Eugene Brooks be a guy that could commit at some point this week and other offensive linemen? Well, I guess that's part of the fun this week. I I, I guess we'll wait and see. Before we talk about Zion Raggins, and would you say 1 o'clock local time tomorrow for his decision? 1 o'clock local time. Yes, sir. Um, We have to hit real quick on the fact that we have gone viral. (laughs) That's right. It took four days. It took four days. I don't really know what took everyone so long. Yahoo Sports Twitter page with over half a million followers is tagging us today. No Context College Football page is uh, tagging us today. But, uh, yeah, Brent's comment about Deion Sanders uh, four days after the fact has really started to make the rounds here. And Colorado fans are pissed about what Brent Venable said last Thursday. Yes, the Colorado fan base established December 2022 is up in arms about (laughs) it. Seriously. No, like I, when he said that live on the air, when he name dropped Dion in the moment, I was like, "Ooh, yep, that's gonna get around." Oh yeah. But then, like Sunday comes, it's like, okay, we're basically through the weekend. Haven't heard a peep, really. Like what BV said about Mario certainly blew up, but not a peep about what he said about Dion. And then obviously, I wake up this morning and it's everywhere. It's so. really a dream come true to rile up all 30 uh, Colorado fans that are out there. No, it really is. And I can't give credit to myself or you or anyone else, the, uh, anyone other than Brent's, because it was just, hey, here's a simple question. Yeah, where, have you seen, where have you seen the most competitive growth? And then he just goes on for eight minutes and he dunks on Dion. Um, he dunked unintentionally, dunked on Lincoln Riley during that eight minutes as well. We've gone viral, but we really had no part in it whatsoever. We just kind of sat back and listened like everyone else did. See, this is the thing, though. Brent didn't explicitly take a dig at Dion. No. He just expressed a philosophical difference between what he has done and what Dion has done. Now, Colorado fans interpreted it as a dig and to a certain extent that's understandable but like I'm, I'm really trying to figure out was Brent like was he trying to go underhand there or 
Was he just like, look, I I want to believe the answer to that is yes. I don't know that if that is exactly true or not. What we've known about Brent Vittables previously would tell us no, but I don't know, man. Like he 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 did call out two coaches on, on the same day. Yeah, so, and I, I was going to say, like, absent the comment about Mario, I would figure, oh, Brent just said something innocently and it got blown out of proportion and taken out of context. But, no, given that already earlier that afternoon he had thrown some shade at Mario Cristobal in Miami, it's like, okay, Brent wants to smoke. Yeah, yeah, he wants to smoke. He's ready to go. Captain Willard says, Ref Army slow troller of the month goes to Brent Venables. And I love that so much, Captain Willard. That's fantastic. Cherokee Sooner says, OU Colorado 2025 home playoff game in Norman. I thought we were only going to a 12-team to a playoff. Are we going to a 68-team playoff in 2025? Because that's the only way Colorado's going to be in any sort of a playoff game in, uh, what, Dion's third season? It better be a 68-team playoff if Colorado's going to come to Norman for a postseason game. Otherwise, 12-team playoff, see, you ain't going to be in that bad boy. Maybe Colorado will be in the Big 12 by then. Who knows? Yeah. Gunny says it ain't even Friday, but let's get locked up and high and then go have a ribeye. So, <laughs> Gunny's already... Planning out his way. Yeah, Zion Raggins tomorrow, four star, five foot nine, one hundred and fifty pounds at a great Georgia. OU offer, Florida State offer, Georgia offer, Tennessee offer, Texas offers. All the crystal balls right now point towards OU. There's even Florida State insiders saying it's OU. Yep. It really feels like it's gonna be OU twenty three hours out from uh, the commitment date or the commitment time. And you said it earlier, you think the Maybe the best comp is Hollywood Brown. I don't know if that's the best comp, and I don't it's, think that's. It, it, is it a comp? I didn't intend that as a comp, but I. There is some Hollywood Brown in Zion Raggins' game because he is undersized, admittedly, but he's just an all-out burner man who's actually a pretty deft receiver in his arm. Like I think what made Hollywood Brown special was he wasn't just fast. He was an actual wide receiver, too. And I see those same traits in Zion Raggins. Now, obviously, the stature is probably going to be of most concern for Oklahoma fans. You know, is this kid going to be able to hold it? But, like, the way I see it, Tyler, you didn't get Dylan Edwards a year ago. Yep. This is is Dylan Edwards on steroids here. Wow, even faster and more athletic than Dylan Edwards. Yeah, we're talking about a 10-2 guy. Who we really meters. liked at one point in last year's. And speaking of all, Dion, Dylan Edwards uh, yeah. ended up uh, signing with uh, Colorado after committing to Kansas State and flirting with OU and several others for a while. But, yeah, I mean, it's, you're, you're, you're getting speed right here. And I, I, I don't know what Emmett Jones or Jeff Levy's true preference is, but, Parker, it almost feels like we're talking about one or two things when we've been talking about OU wide receiver commits or signees in the past year. Either one, maybe they're a little bit undersized, but they are freakishly fast. And Zion Raggins kind of, you know, he, he represents that. Jaquace Petaway represents that as well. Or they're getting maybe a 6'3", 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", wide receiver that's a bigger body. And, and I think ideally they would want someone that's a bigger body, that's got elite speed, like an all-around wide receiver, but... They've got a collection of smaller guys now. Petaway, Brennan Thompson, Andrew Anthony, Raggins could be that guy. 
Um, but they also have a collection of bigger receivers in there as well. So it's probably not just one or the other, but it, for whatever reason, that's what it's felt like with wide receiver commits here recently. Yeah, certainly. And speed and space is going to go places. It always will. And having size in addition, having guys like Jaden Gibson and Nick Anderson and Ivan Carrion yeah. and Dozy Ezekama down the line that are going to be able to – go up and get 50-50 balls in the red zone and be matchup nightmares on third down to give you that wide catch radius. Shout out Kirk Herbstreet to be able to convert. And Britt did re- uh, save the catch radius uh, with this oh, as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. But, yeah, look, I th- I, every so often you'll get a guy like an Andrew Anthony who has size at six foot two and can really run. But more often than not, like, y- you find a guy like that, a guy who's proven, and Andrew Anthony isn't yet, but there's a lot of promise there in the spring. Guys like that, you know, you're, at that point you're talking about the Bryant Wescos of the world. The players that, once they start to produce at the prep level, are going to ascend rapidly. But if you want to find elite speed and you want to find elite size, it's almost like a Venn diagram where you have a lot of guys in one camp and a lot of guys in the other camp and then very few that fall in between the two circles. I feel like Oklahoma has done a tremendous job these last couple of years, and especially this cycle under Emmett Jones, of recruiting from both circles. Yeah. Well, uh, Raggins would be wide receiver number five tomorrow because we're counting carry on as a wide receiver today. Maybe he ends up being a tight end at some point in his career. We'll see. The question, I think, is will OU sign five wide receivers in this class? Because Terry Bussey, it really sounds like he's going to Texas A&M, right? So OU, by this time tomorrow, a very good chance they'll have five wide receivers committed in this class. But will they sign five wide receivers? And what I mean by that is, um, will someone else decommit for, I don't want to say a better opportunity, but an opportunity where maybe they see a better path to playing time with the five wide receivers that OU's going to be having uh, committed you know, probably tomorrow. I don't know. We'll see. Not we'll really see. worried about that. No, I don't honest, think you like, should be. No, because... Emmett got that dog in him. They'll keep the – if they only sign four, they'll probably sign the four best out of the group, whoever that is. Yeah, well, and, like, the thing is, these guys' relationships with Emmett Jones are so tight, and he did such a phenomenal job recruiting each of them to Norman and selling them on the OU experience and their fit in the offense that it's going to take a lot. Like, that wasn't a commitment that was made based off an emotional spur-of-the-moment decision. It was very measured, very calculated, and OU and l- listen, OU has had to slow a couple receivers down because they wanted to commit too quickly. Adrian Wilson, I mentioned last week, is a good recent example of this. But the guys that have committed to Oklahoma in the 2024 class to play receiver have done so with a lot of careful, calculated guidance from Emmett Jones and a knowledge that... It's not all about them at the University of Oklahoma, but that they're going to be valued, that they're going to be sharpened on and off the field. And I think it's really telling when you hear a guy like, um, who was it? It was Ivan Carrion that said, Emmett Jones is one of the best wide receiver coaches in the country. And I got the chance to catch up with Drake Stoops at Big 12 Media Days about Emmett Jones. And the word he used to describe Emmett Jones was, he's a technician. He sees every little aspect of the game and can break down all of the technique involved in playing the wide receiver position so fluently. And Drake Stoops, who's played five years of college football, said, 
Emmett Jones has already helped my game a whole heck of a lot in the six months since he's gotten here. Uh, okay, real quick on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Do you guys think Devon Mitchell ends up being a five-star by the time it's said and done? Or do you think he's probably a four-star all year long? Four-star all year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say so. Maybe one service ends up bumping him to a five-star, but I think composite-wise he'll end up being a four-star in this class. And I don't, most even, I, don't th- I don't even think he'll get that fifth-star on any singular service just because – at the tight end position, it's hard enough to ascend to five-star status, and I just don't really – like, if he had another year of high school ball, then yes, I would say he'd be a five-star in next year's class, but with the top end of this 2024 class already pretty solidified, no, I, I don't foresee that kind of rise coming. Uh, Santa John says, FYI, Tyler Jimbo Fisher is currently at the podium. Go get him. Yeah, I've uh, I've been following along. At one point, someone asked him, on the about the unique challenge of playing in the SEC, and he said, "quote You got to play on the road, and you got to play at home." And that's basically all he said. So, thank Gosh, you, Jimbo, shut up for Jimbo. Uh, letting us know that you got to play on the road and you've got to play at home in the SEC. Very, uh, very appreciated. Four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Yeah, Taylor Tatum, five star running back, the number one running back coming up on Friday. Maybe even a Williams Winery update as well. We'll get into more OU recruiting coming up next right here on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune live on The Ref. We are the home of Sooner fans. What up, Ref Army? I see you listening nationwide on this Monday. Minneapolis, Minnesota, tuned in via the official KREF app. Chelsea, Massachusetts, Fort Mill, South Carolina, Chesapeake, Virginia, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, League City, Texas, and our small town of the day. I think this is a first-timer for Perkins, Oklahoma, which I believe is just south of Stillwater. That so, is correct. Welcome to the show, Perkins. K- uh, Ref Army Locator brought to you by k Furniture Consignment with locations in OKC and in Norman on Main Street, much more than furniture consignment. k is a full design center and will beat any local competitor's price on fabrics. Can't wait to sound like an idiot. Uh, 8 a.m. on the second Saturday of October and accidentally say Wed Wiver Wiverly at some point during our uh, pregame coverage. So I'll just do what I always do and just say OU in Texas. You know, that's just the, the safe word. It'll safe always play. be the Red River shootout to me, Tyler. Or the Red River shootout. Always will be. Wed Wiver Rivalry. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no thanks. But Red River Rivalry is uh, apparently what they're changing it back to now for OU Texas. But if you just call it OU Texas, just call it OU Texas. Red River Shootout, just call it the Red River Shootout, whatever you want. Taylor Tatum coming up on Friday, uh, the five-star running back. Now, I did see the rival story where you kind of, you laid out the OU side of where you think things stand. USC writer Ryan Young laid things out the way that he thinks it looks right now for USC, and then they had an overall verdict, and it it feels like everyone thinks it's going to be OU on Friday. Like, so what you're saying is I won the case. You won the case. Love he, it. Even the USC guy said, you know, I, I thought at one point that this was a slam dunk for USC, but things changed, and here's why I think they changed, and I think that he's, yeah, probably old – I don't know if he ever actually said, I think he's ultimately going to end up at OU, but you could just tell that the two tones were, were, were very much different. Feels like everyone expects Tatum to, to pick OU on Friday. It's not a everyone does. I, had, I hadn't seen this piece yet. I'm going, to, I'm going to dig it up right now so that I can see how the, uh, how the case was presented. But yeah, like Oklahoma's had all the momentum there ever since the OV. 
And it's honestly the only thing I'm surprised by is that it's taken this long for Tatum to come around to an announcement. Would you rather hear the final verdict or the USC uh, side of things? Well, I'm uh, I'm reading the USC side of things right now. And the verdict? Ah, there we go, Gorney. Yep, Gorney sided with But in me. recent weeks, my opinion has totally shifted to Oklahoma. One of the biggest reasons is uh, location. It's uh, about a five-hour drive for Tatum. And there could be some concerns that while he loves USC, it might be too far for him. His relationship with DeMarco is great. Playing in the SEC is great, and the location is better. I'm picking the Sooners. And we got Gorndog on our side here, Tyler. Yeah, okay, well, here's – and maybe no one knows the answer to this. Maybe some do. So, when we look at – because I think that this is interesting now because we can really talk about this with the 24 class. If you're really evaluating the Taylor Tatum recruitment, OU and USC, okay, well, location is an advantage for OU – Skip Johnson is an advantage for OU. There are some advantages that are seemingly going to win out for OU, but now it is SEC that OU can pitch versus, I guess, Big Ten for uh, USC. I, I I wonder if the SEC played out or, or was an advantage for OU at all and how big of an advantage it was for OU's recruiting pitch to Taylor Tatum. Well, I think baseball is very important here, and we've talked about this, but I think – you know, from the baseball side, it's easy to make the case for OU, but if you need to make the case against USC, I'll tell you this much. Taylor Tatum and his family hate cold weather. They hate it. So I imagine Skip Johnson, in his characteristic drawl, basically expressed to Taylor Tatum that you don't want to be playing baseball in East Lansing in February. Yeah. yeah. I mean, isn't it crazy, though, that someone like Taylor Tatum or maybe other prospects as well would now view USC's weather situation after all these years as potentially a negative? Isn't that wild, man? Because yeah. they've been able to sell that more than like any other major college football program in the country. And now it's like, well, you guys will play in Lincoln and East Lansing and Ann Arbor. I don't, yeah, like, I don't know. How do you want to take a fastball nuts, off the handle man? of your bat in Champaign, Illinois on an early March evening? And I'm sure USC is quick to rebuttal that. Like, well, that's four days potentially out of the calendar year. Well, you'll, you'll be met with uh, cold temperatures. But, yeah, you should just be, oh, the weather's perfect at USC. That's why, one of the big reasons why you want to go out there. Sugar Shane in Newcastle says, let's call it like it is. They took Tatum to Classic 50s and spoon-fed him Piccolo's. Game, oh. set, and match. I remember the first time I ever had Piccolo's there. It was after OU's disappointing defeat to Cal at home in 1998. First time I ever had Piccolos. We'll never forget it. How'd they lose to Cal, though? Ooh, Jeez. how about this? From the 405, come on, give me a shout-out. I'm listening live from Mililani, Hawaii. Oh, hometown uh, of one Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, shout-out. Let's go. Tell us uh, the stat line you think DG's going to have this year. I'd love to hear that. The recruiting doomer says, dang, Parker, I didn't even realize Michigan State had a baseball team. Does, does Mel Tucker have to – is this like a high school – where the football coach also has to coach like the baseball team too. Is Mel Tucker actually <laughs> coaching the baseball team and nobody just nobody knows it? Yes, Mel Tucker, head football uh, head football coach, assistant hitting coach. <laughs> he has to be the first base coach. 405, how about playing SEC baseball? By far SEC is the best baseball conference. That is accurate. Santa jo- oh, and actually as much as everyone brags about SEC football, um I think that the SEC is probably 
deepest in baseball than maybe any sport. Like, even Texas A&M has thrown a lot of money at baseball. they got a beautiful facility. LSU just won a title. Arkansas and Omaha a lot. Ole Miss and Mississippi State just won titles. Florida was just in the championship series. Tennessee was the number one team in the country two years ago. And I think what Tennessee made it to Omaha this year, right? So the SEC is deep in football, but it's really, really deep in baseball. Really deep in baseball. Notice I didn't mention Missouri in there because I don't think Missouri's done anything in baseball since it's gotten to the uh, SEC. SEC Network is running a promo spot that highlights OU and Texas. Outstanding. So how about that? Uh, On the TV commercials, the SEC is highlighting OU and Texas more than the uh, Big 12 probably is right now. The league that they're still currently in for uh, less than one more year. Less than 365 days. Yeah, which makes sense. I mean, it all makes sense. A lot of OU fans are miffed about the way that Brett Yormark and the Big 12 uh, has handled the whole transition thing and the pending move and how they really haven't given OU and Texas their flowers in the eyes of many. But, I mean, like, that's, that's Brett Yormark's job. Jim in Arlington says, if Taylor Tatum is the number one running back, why do you think he may not reach five-star status, as you mentioned last hour? Also, how fast is he? He's fast. Not as fast as Caden Durham, but he's fast. Uh, He is the number one running back in the country right now. Generally, the running back rankings can – that's one of those positions where you see a lot of fluctuation. Like, for instance, elite defensive linemen that you know are elite early in their high school careers, i.e. David Stone – they find a perch within the top 20, 25 of the national rankings, and they stay there. Because right? there's no reason to drop a guy like that. If you're already six foot four, 280 pounds and dominating at defensive tackle as a high school sophomore, well, then, like, unless, you, unless your weight balloons, you have a Peyton Kirkland effect and you end up at 360 by the time you're a high school senior, then there's really no reason to drop a kid like that. But for running back, man – you get so many guys that, A, are late bloomers, guys that don't really pop off until maybe their junior year. Uh, obviously, injuries at the running back position, knee injuries most specifically, can have a huge impact on where guys are ranked because you know running backs have a short enough shelf life as it is. You suffer a major injury, uh, or even not necessarily a major injury, but just an injury that might be categorized as severe. Uh, that's that has the potential to lower your stock and then production can vary wildly depending on uh, the solvency of the remainder of your offense Um, Taylor Tatum will never play one snap in the Big 12 but he's got a Big 12 time for his announcement on Friday does he not yes he does 11 a.m central time on Friday (laughs) oh no (laughs) 11 a.m. Central is this time. A, is this a doomsday sign? Uh, no, let's not. No, on Monday, only good vibes here, man. It's been really good the past three weeks or so, two and a half, three weeks, whatever. I'm telling you, it's going to be the most exciting week of the 2024 recruiting class. I'm just throwing out the good vibes there, okay? Just man, throwing them out there. 11 a.m. is 9 a.m. in Los Angeles, California. Jeez. Hmm. I'm sure USC will have Clark won't those. even be up by then. Clark will <laughs> still be asleep. Imagine USC playing on big noon kickoff during <laughs> breakfast hours. Uh, please do. Avocado toast hours is what they call it out yeah, there. Yes. From the 580, assuming OU gets Raggins, Tatum, and Durham, where do the skill positions in this recruiting class rank among the pantheon of OU skill positions? I mean, on paper, it's one of your finest recruiting classes in history as far as offensive skill positions are concerned. Because 
you don't have any conspicuous area of weakness. You have an elite tight end in Devon Mitchell. You have five receivers, the majority of whom are blue chips. You have a quarterback, potentially two. And you have three running backs headlined by the number one player at the country, in the country at that position. So, like, find me another class. Find me another class that can go toe-to-toe with that one in the history of OU recruiting. Because I, as far as wide receivers are concerned, you'd probably go back to 2019 as the best class Oklahoma has ever yep. had on paper. But who'd they sign at running back that year? Ramondre Stevenson out of JUCO? Yeah, he turned out to be a good get, but... Again, if we're strictly talking on paper, at that point, Ramondre Stevenson wasn't really moving the needle for anybody. That would have been quite the take on signing day. And if I'd have been like, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you got three five stars, uh, three five star wide receivers. Hey, Parker, the Juco running back they just got will That's have the a better only car- one of them that will ever play in the NFL. He'll have a better career at OU than any of these three, far, uh, three five, uh, five star wide receivers. Could you believe, could you imagine the text line, how they'd be going off? Oh, man. That'd be, that'd be a fun day. Uh, by the way, OU has the number 26 class right now, according to 24-7. If they were to get Tatum and Raggins, that'd get them up to a 233. That would currently rank number 16 right now, so just kind of an idea. They would. Uh, other teams are going to get commits this week. I, I know it doesn't exactly work like that, but just to kind of show you, those two guys today would get you up 10 spots, just outside the top 15. So uh, let's hope the good vibes continue. From a, real quick, percentage chance. Uh, that OU actually gets three commits this week. Coin flip 50-50. Ooh, so there is a little bit of a decent yeah. chance here. You can get three. A listener in the 405 asks, is there an update on Will Nuaneri? Ask me tomorrow, for I will be in Lee's Summit, Missouri. Well, how about this? Um, let's just talk Let's talk five-star defensive lineman coming up next segment. Anybody down for that? All of you? I, I figured so. David Stone, some of you got in a tizzy about that this weekend. Uh, Nigel Smith, maybe a little bit of an update there. And, of course, Williams Winery, we'll talk about him as well. Five-star defensive lineman. And, hey, Dominic McKinley, too. If you want to talk five-star defensive lineman, buddy, we can get an entire segment out of it. And we'll probably do that coming up next right here on The Ref. All right, this is making me laugh. Now everyone's picking up the story. (laughs) Britt Venables was on Locked In on Thursday, and like yesterday, people just realized nationally that, you know, he had a comment about Deion Sanders, Yahoo Sports, it's on their Twitter page, like it's all over Twitter right now, I guess David Ubbin, who does he work for now, The Athletic maybe? The Athletic, I think, yeah. Yeah. Uh, He just tweets out, Oklahoma coach Britt Venables has joined the Pat Narduzzi founded club of public Deion Sanders critics, quote, I wasn't like Dion that gave guys a bunch of pink slips. I gave guys 12 months of grace, end quote. So this is, um, I, th- I feel like this is picking up steam, Parker, and maybe it's an even bigger story by the, uh, the end of the day today. Just national guys, keep tagging at KREF Sports on your uh, stories, if this you don't mind. This is the hard-hitting journalism you. that you get between the hours of 2 and 3 p.m. On these airwaves. Yeah, SEC Media Day is going on, and this is like the biggest story in college football today, basically. We, the, the SEC Media Days are the undercard to what happened on Locked In four days ago. Yeah, I know. Boom. I know. Yeah. Uh, can I do everyone a, a little bit of a solid here? Because I, I saw some activity on social media saying, oh, no. Do you guys hear what David, uh, David Stone was saying about his opinions on crystal balls oh, and boy. how I, he's going to beat his crystal ball and all that? Hey, guys, 
Uh, anytime you start to get worried about David Stone, just for one, one, remember what we said all along and how this recruitment has gone and how it's up and down and he likes the attention. But two, and really most importantly here, anytime you start to worry about how David Stone is thinking, just think back to yourself. Say, self, remember the time that he helped Jaden Jackson, a four-star defensive <laughs> lineman, get to OU? And that's really all you're going to need to do to make yourself feel better. So if you're one that's still a little bit worried about what David Stone said on Instagram or whatever it was about crystal balls, just think back to the time that a defensive lineman that was not supposed to come to OU and things swayed heavily in the opposite direction and David Stone was the reason for that. Just think on things like that when you start to get worried. So all that to say, yeah, I saw what David Stone said this weekend. No, it does not change my opinion whatsoever on what class he is going to eventually join in the 2024 recruiting cycle. As of this day, July 17th, 2023, all listeners and members of the KREF Army, please take note. We are placing an absolute moratorium on any discussion of David Stone's Instagram story (laughs) posts between now and the day that he commits. Thank you. Too bad it's not uh, the text line isn't like Twitter and you can block out certain keywords, you know? Instagram, I guess, uh, might be one, but I, I don't think that we can do that. So, but yeah, d- guys, just don't don't worry about that. Okay, the, the signs. Uh, if you want to look for signs, okay, let's look for signs. The signs that he is leaning heavily towards OU are there way more than it is that he's thinking of uh, going elsewhere, or trending elsewhere, or or whatever. Like the signs are good right now for David Stone, regardless of what he said this weekend. I somebody sent me a screenshot from a Miami recruiting insider uh, who, after the Jaden Jackson decision, of course, like the Miami board is freaking out about the whole Jaden Jackson deal. Like, where's he going? Where's he going? Are we getting him? And somebody naturally brings up Jaden Jackson and David Stone. And of course, Miami has. It, it, I, I think there was a point in time at which David Stone visited Miami like four times in the span of a month. He was starting to become a regular down there. And this Miami recruiting insider, whom I know and is sharp and on the ball and knows about all there is to know about Miami football recruiting, said, yeah, if Jackson goes to Oklahoma, that's pretty much the nail in the coffin with David Stone. Sure. You can safely assume at that point there is a 100% chance David Stone is a Sooner. You guys, so, yeah, go ahead, finish that thought. No, again, I was just going to say, like, you ask any other recruiting reporter that covers any other team that is recruiting David Stone right now, they will tell you the exact same thing from their end, which is that the expectation is that that kid is going to be a Sooner. Yeah. Now, there's certainly some discussions nationally about, does Georgia lead for williams Winery? Does Missouri have a chance here? Like, the williams Winery discussion, and he is the number one player on on three, so you understand why there's so many stories about him. But that's a legitimate discussion, right? And that's even a legitimate discussion for me and you, like, okay, who really is OU competing with? One, two, like, whatever. That, that's a legitimate discussion. You're not seeing any of those stories nationally for David Hicks, or for, for David Stone, excuse me, because it's almost like people believe, yeah, he's a, he's a heavy OU lead right now. So it's, it's all good. Hey, if you want another reason why to feel good about this, how about, how about a text you thought I would never read from the recruiting doomer on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line? I don't know why everyone is freaking out. Todd Bates is getting stone. Do you, do you ever think that we'd read that before David Stone were to commit to, to anywhere? No, I didn't. The recruiting the doomer. The recruiting doomer is not doing a lot of dooming lately. No, really, it's really not. Uh, another defensive lineman you should probably feel good about. 
and really you should have felt good about this one for a while, is uh, Nigel Smith, four-star out of Melissa, Texas, listed at 6'5", 260. Here's what Rivals had to say this weekend. Texas, Ohio State, Penn State, Alabama, and many others have been mentioned through his recruitment, but OU was the team to beat for a long time, and the Sooners still look to be in the best position. Now, there's a new development as the four-star defensive end is planning to announce his commitment on September 8th during senior night at the new stadium in Melissa, Texas. He's been communicating more than regularly with the Oklahoma staff, and it still looks good for the Sooners. It's not often I do this, but I'm going to go on record and I'm going to make a prediction. Tyler, you ready for this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. July 17th, 2023 is the prediction I'm making. No less than six blue-chip defensive linemen in this 2024 recruiting class for Oklahoma. Ooh, that counts as So that is is inclusive of defensive tackles, hand-in-the-dirt defensive ends, and edge rushers. No less than six. Okay, so let's let's take it a step further, all right? Because last year we said a lot, this will be OU's highest slash best rank, however you want to look at it, best ranked class of the modern recruiting era. It feels like this is going to be OU's highest slash best ranked defensive line recruiting class of the modern era. Yep. Yeah. Sounds pretty good to say out loud, doesn't it? It does. And like, I, you, I imagine many of you have seen the power line edit on social media, right? And it's, so it, it has silhouettes of eight defensive linemen that took official visits to Oklahoma in the month of June. Two of those are Wyatt Gilmore the four-star defensive end out of Rogers, Minnesota, and Jaden Jackson, the four-star defensive tackle and recent commit from IMG Academy. The other six are, in no particular order, Williams and Winery, David Stone, Dominic McKinley, Zena Amosalu, Nigel Smith, and Danny Akoya. So I believe that by the end of the cycle, first off, right now, I believe OU leads for all eight of those players. Now, e- even Danny Okoye? Yes. Wow. Yes, okay. I believe OU leads for Danny Okoye. Not by, not by much, but I give him the edge. Um, I do not think OU lands all eight of those players. That's kind of a pipe dream. But I'll bet you they land six. Yeah, and forgets OU's highest-ranked defensive recruiting cl- or defensive line class in the modern era. It'll be arguably the best defensive line class in this entire re- uh, recruiting cycle this year, which... If, if this staff could do that in their second full recruiting cycle after a 6-7 and seven season, think about that, man. Think about what kind of recruiting job that will be. And a lot of these guys will be on board the class before they could really show in year two that they're a lot better defensively. It'll be an amazing recruiting effort, man. And if their second full class, they could do what you're saying that they, you think that they're going to do and land maybe the best defensive line class in all of 2024 before they're in the SEC against Georgia and Alabama and Tennessee and LSU and those other SEC programs who have it going. Yeah, man, it, it'll be – no one's going to be talking smack about Todd Bates anymore, okay, if, if that's the case. Drew from so. Firemount says, Parker still supports A&M NIL. <laughs> Oh, my oh, God, I, Parker, talk dirty to me, says the 405. <laughs> uh, I can't refute the A&M NIL accusation. I went to Bucky's again this weekend. Yeah, I know. 832, I'm super excited about David Stone, but we've been burned by another five-star defensive lineman named David Hicks that was in the bag until an hour before his commitment. So forgive me if I'm not 100% in belief that we get Stone. 
I think we are the odds-on favorite, but we have PTSD. Is this the class that is going to end that PTSD, recruiting PTSD? Well, if it all goes down as we expect it to, Tyler, then yes, I would say there will be no lingering PTSD. I mean, that that would be such a great class that I don't think at any point next year you could say, well, David's... Remember David Hicks? Remember yeah, exactly. that recruitment? <laughs> yeah, shut up. They got six blue chippers up front. Yeah, they're, they're, they're good. They're fine. But it, yes, but, the, I think the easiest thing to fall back on for a doomer these days when it comes to defensive line recruiting and a guy that Oklahoma has a heavy outright lead for is just to say, well, DJ Hicks. Yeah. Whether, you're not going to be able to say that if this 2024 class ends up the way that we expect. Whether they get six or maybe it's just five or what, even if it's just four. It's it's exciting, too, to think about, well, if they could do that at this point with all of the negative recruiting that's going against them nationally right now, what if this staff really gets it going? And what if they're really competitive in the SEC? And what if they're winning a lot of games in the SEC? And what if they're winning games in the playoff? And that's a lot of ifs there. But if they're doing what they're doing now defensively recruiting, and I'm looking back to last year, too, what might it look like moving forward in the SEC if it's proven and they're winning a lot of football games and playing good defense? That's fun to think about, too, if you're an OU fan. We got a listener that has said, if we get all those D-line guys, I'll streak at the first home game <laughs> next year. RCC for life. I love that. 405-651. Ah, oh, man, I don't know. You, you better do it at the first home game and the last home game, if you know what I mean. Going to be cold at the last home game. Might have a better showing there at the first home game there. 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We'll close up Locked In next. Final segment, Locked In with McComas and Thune, live on the ref. We are the homeless Sooner fans. SEC Media Day, day one in Nashville today. Going to be in Dallas next year. How about that? Eli Drinkwitz, Missouri head coach at the podium right now. So we'll see if old Drink throws a uh, backhanded comment at OU. It wouldn't be the most shocking thing ever. Uh, LSU running back Josh Williams, who's a Texas native, was asked about uh, OU in Texas joining the SEC. And apparently about uh, a little over an hour ago, he said, quote, I don't think they know what they're getting into. The SEC is a beast, end quote. So predictable there. Probably won't be the uh, last person to, to say that this week. Though I am a little bit nervous about what I witnessed over the break. And what I witnessed over the break on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line is a lot of members of the KREF Army vowing to streak themselves if OU were to get all six of those blue-chip defensive no, lineups. No. Now, from what I can tell, all of those on the text line vowing to do so are men. So just, just that's out there, though. Some are saying, yeah, I'll streak too if OU gets all those defensive linemen. Let's go. So if you're on the fence about uh, going to the first OU home game this year or not, Maybe pay attention to defensive line recruitment to see if you actually want to go or not. Or it could just be uh, <laughs> just could be people streaking the entire game across the It's going to be a banner day for security, man. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. I don't know. It makes me, uh, makes me a little bit nervous when I read stuff like that. 405, uh, yeah, if we get all those D-line guys, I'll streak at the home game too. Guy says need Braden Platt with that defensive line group, which we found out last week. Braden Platt... Top 100 player nationally, that's OU and Oregon, the final two, correct? Yeah, and I give the slight edge to Oregon right now based off of proximity and um, just uh, that, that, that feels like a, the type of guy from the people I've talked to that has a desire to stay closer to home, 
And it's not an insurmountable type. Like, it's not the type of deal where Oklahoma has no hope of convincing him to matriculate in Norman. No, that's very much on the table. But it seems like proximity is going to be a key factor there and a key component of Oregon's pitch to try and keep him up in the Pacific Northwest as a duck. So I give the slight edge to Oregon right now. There's still a long way to go till the finish line there. Jason Fair says, no streaking on my field. <laughs> the recruiting doomer says, I'm streaking too. So, Jason, maybe hire some extra staff here for the, uh, for the first home game. A lot of exciting fans going uh, to be flooding in here. Kendall says, I'm just glad David Stone isn't from Owasso. He'd be in Tuscaloosa with uh, Cole Adams. One more, 405. Did someone mention Boomer Streak Day? You realize... That is the age of the first streakers. Yes. So this is this is gaining an uncomfortable amount of momentum on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, is it not? Oh, no, so I, I am yeah. I am starting to get uncomfortable with how many people Weird. are texting I, in about this. I, I'm Sorry, starting to Jason. get uncomfortable with how many of these texts are borderline readable. Like I just yeah, someone I feel mentioned like we, a helicopter there. Oh, so man. yeah, we're yeah, that, that we're towing the line with the FCC here. Okay, uh, so I'm gonna try before we get out of here. You get out of here to switch it to. Edmund Santa Fe offensive lineman Josh Iasosa is how I believe you say it. That's August 14th. Now, if you yep. look at who he's deciding between, um, you would think OU would have a really good shot at this one. Like, what, what was in the edit? OU, Tulsa, North Texas, UTSA, Central Arkansas, UNLV, Iowa State, Texas State. So, I, OU was the, was the program there that stood out. By far and away among among the others. So I would guess OU is a heavy favorite in his recruitment. I am going to see Josh Isosa this afternoon. So ask me in an hour and a half, and I will have a definitive answer for you. But, yeah, on paper you would have to think as long as he's a take at OU and there's no real reason to doubt that, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, just like looking at who else was in the edit here, you would think, oh, uh, yeah, OU is the, uh, is the obvious choice here. But that one's coming up on August 14th, Edmund Santa Fe, offensive lineman. All right, that'll do it for Locked In. The Rush coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans.